Hey everybody, welcome back to Farmer Jam Radio. I'm your host, James Carr. Excited to bring you this interview today. Slightly different format because it's not based on a specific news article uh, that today's guest wrote or was quoted in, but a very important person to the world of urban agriculture, specifically here in Atlanta. Today, I'm gonna be speaking with Jay Olu Baiwu, who is the Urban Agriculture Director for the City of Atlanta. Back in 2015, the city of Atlanta became the first mayor's office across the country to hire an urban agriculture director. But long before that, Jay Olu had his hands in the soil, has been working in local food for years, and is a fantastic person to be in the mayor's office right now for the city of Atlanta. But why I'm also excited is because what Jay Olu's talking about is exactly why I wanted to have these kind of conversations. Because urban agriculture never, and agriculture in general, never exists in a silo. He's working with the Department of Watershed for their uh, for their goals. He's working with the Sustainability Office for their climate change goals. He's working with the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion to make sure that the efforts he's putting in can be accessed by the people who need it most. We do not currently have an agriculture system that prioritizes people or the planet. But there are people like J.O. Lu across the country who are making it happen. As you'll see, Jay Olu is working on a lot, so we didn't really get to dive deep into a whole lot. However, we're gonna have Jay Olu back regularly to not only share what's going on with the city of Atlanta, but to share what he's learning from across the country. So with that being said, allow me to introduce you to my friend, the city of Atlanta's urban ag director, Jay Olu Baiwu. We'll be back with Jay Olu in just a sec. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Farmer's Jam Radio. I am now here with the Urban Agriculture Director for the City of Atlanta, Jay Olu Baiwu. Jay Olu, how's it going? Hey, greetings, greetings, greetings. Uh, I'm doing well, James. How are you? You know, appreciate you uh, having me in the space and uh, being a part of Farmer's Jam Radio. And yeah, happy 2022. Things are well. Yes, no, I'm doing uh, I'm doing pretty well uh, myself. Um, excited to be chatting with you because I I, I know you. Um, we've worked together in a number of different ways, and so uh, I'm I'm grateful to be chatting with you and and sharing with everybody. You know, uh, some of the contributions you've made, which are significant um, in urban agriculture already. Uh, which you know I think is going to be just just talking about some of your past experience are going to give people a perfect understanding of why uh, you're doing this job right now. Yeah, right on. Looking forward to it, brother. So just for a bit of perspective, um, there was an urban ag ordinance passed in, in 2014, and I believe the city hired the first urban ag director in 2015. But you've been working in urban agriculture in Atlanta since before there was an ordinance that even made what you were doing technically like legal within the city or at least permitted by zoning. Um, you've played a role in hospitality. You've grown food. You've been a part of sales. You've started companies. You've started markets, um, work with nonprofit. Now you're in government. Um, can you just kind of highlight some of your journey to this point to getting to the urban ag director position and maybe just um talk a little bit about some of the more formative experiences since you have such a wide breadth in the space yeah right on yeah no give thanks for for 
all of those experiences that uh, have have contributed to me being uh, where I am today. And um, you know, I'm grateful for for them and for uh, the opportunity to continue to do work in different ways. So you know, it's interesting. After I graduated from undergrad, um, I attended Morehouse College. I worked for a consulting firm, and my first client in Washington D.C. was the Department of Agriculture. Um, at that time, the big thing was e-government, um, and, and we were talking about, you know, farmers didn't want to come to the city to have to, like, check in on their farm loans and their other benefits, things of that nature. What would it look like to put a kiosk in the middle of a cornfield? So um, it was cool just talking about those kind of e-government things. Had no idea. I was in the federal government practice. I had no idea that, you know, X years later I'd be actually kind of committed to working in the food space. Um, so it's just funny how the world works, but yeah, yeah, some of the, you know, that was definitely formative, just learning about, you know, consulting and that kind of opportunity. I used to describe it to people as, you know, I find out where you are, I find out where you're trying to go and then work with you and getting there. So that's kind of how I look at consulting and in a certain degree, I guess, how my mind works in general and kind of what I bring to the table. So, you know, 2005, I began in like restaurant and hospitality industry in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, did a lot of, uh, worked at some fine dining restaurants. I don't even remember if we had the language of farm to table at that time, but maybe we did. Right. Um, but worked at several of those kinds of restaurants and then came to, back to Atlanta in 2009, um, still working in restaurant and hospitality, uh, doing similar things, fine dining restaurants and farm to table spaces. Um, in 2011, you know, I uh, started a gourmet uh, possible company, a black-owned possible company with a former partner of mine. It was called the Pop Shops ATL. We also expanded to the Pop Shop Chattanooga. So we were using uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, herbs, spices, um, and sourcing as much as possible locally. actually started at the East Lake Farmer's Market, uh, second in Hosea, um, and we were in the community of Kirkwood. Uh, as well where our k- kitchen was, where we were making popsicles at that time. Um, I think Spotted Trotter or something is there. So at that point, you know, I was doing that part of the Atlanta Street Food Coalition movement and, and food trucks and all of that stuff. And someone mentioned to me at the Sweet Auburn Curb Market, they said, you need to meet Rashid Nuri of Truly Living Well. And he was up the street at Wheat Street Garden. So I pulled up in the truck. I had the popsicles. He had one. He said, this is great. He had another one. He was like, this is great. He said, you should really come and holler at me to learn about how to grow food and, and use that to go into your pops. So I did. I trained for uh, six months in 2013 at Truly Living Well Center for Natural Urban Agriculture, a program called the Urban Grower Program. And it's been off to the races since then. So I would say my, my journey goes back to 2011 as far as being a vendor and working in, you know, we were doing 11 farmers markets a week between Chattanooga and Atlanta. Um, so I got to know a lot of the growers, oh, wow. uh, let me, uh, a decent amount of growers and a decent amount of organizations that were in this local food space. Um, but then getting my hands in the soil really came in 2013. From that point, I worked with uh, global growers for some time, uh, brief time as a market sales director, um, learned a lot about CSAs and farmers market setup and, and working with different communities, um, you know, definitely working with uh, immigrant farmers and refugee farmer communities. Uh, worked at Truly Living Well for two years as a sales manager and the assistant farm manager. Uh, so definitely give thanks to that. And then started my own organization, Organics Matters, uh, doing farmers markets, gardens, and CSA. So at that place, I was all hands on deck, um, you know, whether it's vending at the Fresh Martyr Market or, you know, running down to the state farmers market to pick up some organic bananas or, um, you know, put into social media posts, was able to do that with a awesome team. We eventually got up to probably about 10 people uh, between full-time and part-time folks on that team. Got up with Foodwell Alliance in 2019 as a programs and outreach director. So I was the first time that that position was uh, introduced and that was uh, amazing. You know, you and I got a chance to work there directly together um, as, uh, as colleagues and coworkers. 
Um, and, you know, that program still exists and they're doing great things. And since November of 2020, I have been the urban ag director at the city of Atlanta. So, um, you know, that's, that's been amazing. So I'm the second urban ag director for the city. Uh, it's, it's over a year now, so I don't get to say I'm the new person, quote unquote, or, you know, I'm still learning things. It's, I mean, it's ongoing. Um, but, you know, I do feel a bit settled, even though we're working largely remote, but still, of course, going to sites. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a wonderful journey. I mean, in this space and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. I tell people food is, I mean, people are my passion and food is the current conduit. That's right. Yep. Um, and I, you know, starting in 2020, um, it presented a number of challenges. I mean, uh, I recall at the beginning in 2015, uh, you know, when Mario first took the, the job, he went to as many organizations as he possibly could. You came in at a time where nobody was really meeting or gathering with the benefit of the fact that you've worked with so many people who you work with already. So you didn't really need to be, you know, introduced, but in terms of, you know, this is what I'm working on. These are the city's priorities. It's been, I imagine a difficult time to sort of, uh, you know, jump into something like this. Yeah, it's definitely been uh, challenging at times. And then also there have been some moments where it's been, you know, maybe a little bit more ease. Um, you know, I think that with the virtual space that has increased, um, you know, as far as working remote work, um, I mean, being able to tap into certain webinars and conferences and presentations, um, being able to tap into certain local meetings that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been able to get to because it's, you know, mm. 45 minutes away, but now I can actually just hop on my phone or hop on a computer, you know, obviously with the internet working well, um, and connect yeah. to these spaces. You know, we've, we've heard from, um, neighborhood planning units in the city of Atlanta that, you know, several of them had increased participation, um, during this ongoing time of COVID by having meetings virtually. So some things have actually kind of opened up to a certain degree. Um, yeah. At the same time, right, the the ability to go down the hallway and just knock on somebody's door, right, <laughs> or to, to drop off something instead of, you know, waiting. Um, um, and even just the ability to meet people, you know, I mean, I've, I've been virtual for much of the time at City Hall, City of Atlanta. Um, so there are people that I know and there are people I've met through, you know, electronic means, but there is something to be said about being able to just kind of meet people face to face and, you know, bump fist or whatever. Um, right. So, you know, or you drop off that tomatoes. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Or drop off tomatoes and, and, and all of that. And even at one point, you know, just even doing some things externally, you know, we were receiving some guidance to, to do that in, in ways, and we still do it, ways that are careful, you know, from a physical distancing standpoint, mask, you know, PPE, et cetera. Um, you know, you mentioned something about when uh, Mario started in that meeting, you know, with uh, many of the folks in the food, local food space, local urban ag, et cetera. Um, that's one thing that we didn't get to do last year that I'm really excited about doing um, this year, you know, within the next 60 days or so is, you know, reconnecting with folks. You know, I, I do think I, I had the, the, the experience and perhaps the privilege of coming into this space with uh, a lot of folks that I have met and worked with. And at the same time, I know there are folks that I haven't met and I haven't worked with. And, and quite frankly, even the folks that I have, there's some things that are different now, quite frankly, in 2022 oh, yeah. than were in 2019 or 2020, et cetera. So, um, you know, me, as well as the rest of the team, the urban agriculture and food system team at the city of Atlanta, we're looking forward to like hosting that this first quarter of 2022. Um, with that being said, you know, the work has not stopped. Um, you know, uh, if anyone says that, uh, oh, you know, due to COVID, productivity has gone down, um, you know, maybe in some industries, but definitely not in ours. Um, so some things that we are focusing on, and this is not everything, but some things we're focusing on, you know, 
I would say food system justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, education, and action. So all of those things, right? Food system justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, education, and action. Um, these are not new topics. These are not new things. Uh, these are things that have been discussed forever, quite frankly, from the beginning of agriculture as a system. Um, but I will say that um, with the COVID pandemic, um, with the response, you know, for, you know, racial justice, social justice, uh, things of that nature, um, there's been more heightened attention to it. And, you know, we at the city of Atlanta, I mean, we do believe in equity. We practice equity as much as possible, and we need to improve as well. We have an Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, which I am actually attached to. Um, we work in conjunction with Department of City Planning. We work in conjunction with Department of Parks and Recreation, Watershed Management, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, we have the task to, to, you know, work on equity, define equity, and put it into practice and implementation. So that is something that I know is no stranger to you in this food space. Um, and it's necessary, right? We have to be able to acknowledge the history of agriculture uh, in our direct local area, uh, be able to look at the good, the ugly, you know, the bad, the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, and address all of them and also focus on the future as well. So all of those things, you know, both and versus either or. Um, we're also looking at urban ag land use. We want more land for farmers. I mean, more farmers want land. We want more land for farmers. So, you know, what are the different models for that as far as whether they're privately owned by growers, whether they're uh, land trust owned, whether they're city owned sites, you know, more programs, more types of farms, right? Urban farms, food forests, community gardens, also compost sites, pollinator gardens, rain gardens, um, mixed tenure ownership, you know, again, some things may be five years or 10 years. Some things may be 99 years, ideally. Some things may be, you know, just indefinite and um, permanently protected. So all of that is a priority for us, and that includes conversations about zoning, et cetera. Um, farm stand sales is big. We did pass an ordinance in 2021, um, so we give thanks for that. Um, for farms that are in residentially zoned districts to be able to sell food on site. So imagine living in a house or an apartment, whatever community, Looking across the street to Patchwork City Farms, for example, seeing this beautiful food that's being grown and not being able to legally walk across the street and purchase it on site. So that is a reality that existed at the city of yeah. Atlanta. So we were able to uh, get that passed. You know, shout out to everybody who worked on that and who uh, pushed that through the city council. We give thanks. Um, and that's, you know, something that's going to be an increase for food sales and business sales for farmers, as well as the increase for food access for consumers. The city does have and 85% um, of residents being within half a mile of fresh food goal. So, um, you know, that's definitely going to contribute to that. And then some other things, you know, food access in a variety of ways. So there's the production of food and how to distribute that, value-added products. There's also a lot of food out there that is at times, you know, quote-unquote wasted. Um, so how can we redistribute that food? How can we support organizations who do food distribution, food delivery, et cetera? And then when, you, when it gets to those points where, you know, it's not edible anymore, if you will, um, how do we put that back into the earth? So supporting organizations that already are doing compost operations, supporting community gardens and other decentralized compost operations, and also increasing um, compost operations, including picking up, you know, yard trimmings, waste, things of that nature. So we want to continue to do that connected with our sustainability and climate work. Um, we know that food waste is one of the largest contributors to methane and carbon dioxide and all of that through the landfill, whereas we can sequester that carbon, put it back into the soil, and do it. So, um, yeah, those are some things. And I'll say last but not least, uh, pollinators, waste diversion. I just talked about that a little bit, but 
you know, putting that education out there and that acknowledgement that the pollinators are necessary for, for two-thirds of the food that we eat, uh, two-thirds of the bites of uh, food that you have, you know, pollinators help bring that to a reality. So being very intentional about that, we are a part of Bee City USA and the Mayor's Monarch Pledge. Again, there are many people doing this work, but again, this is the city, how we're planning on being engaged with it. And again, back to the waste diversion, if it goes all the way to compost, we got to feed the soil first, um, and that's going to contribute to the productivity. Um, and then planning and governance. Um, we can't do all of this within our office, and it's not our intention to do all of this within our office. We recognize that many folks are already in on the ground, in the soil, doing the work, other nonprofit organizations, philanthropy, regional partners, national partners, et cetera. Um, so how do we make it click together, right? How is it not fragmented? How is it not siloed? So what is our role in that? So we look at that as planning and governance, and we'll have some exciting things to announce in the next, uh, hopefully this quarter, about what we're going to do with some of that. So, yeah, those are some things that we're working on. And, and you know, I'll, I'll say this real quick just to, <laughs> just, just to, you know, I'll say this real quick, too. Um, you know, our approach is kind of a five P's approach. So we're looking at permits, plans, programs, policies, and partnerships. Um, and, again, the three block areas are urban agriculture, food access, and then waste diversion, which includes food recovery and compost. Well, yeah, I think, and that's a great framework um, to leave people with too. But I, I just want to, you know, take a moment because there was a lot to to unpack there. Um, and but in general, all the things that you are bringing up here, right? You know, hunger and feeding people fresh, healthy food. We're talking about climate change. We're talking about equity. We're talking about the history of agriculture in our state and our country. Um, but the the to the to the you know, the the reason why I really wanted to, to start Farmers Jam Radio was to have these exact conversations and to say and to put a stake in the ground that says agriculture can be a leading, I don't know, industry, lifestyle, like uh, culture. How can we shift the wider culture and the narrative around all of these things that we're having? I think agriculture can play a, a main role in that. So I really appreciate you giving such a, you know, overview of, of what you're doing, because that's why you have to work with, I think you listed at least four different departments within the city, because um, agriculture can be so connected to a lot of the things we're doing. Um, and it sounds like, you know, you you are getting right in the middle of that. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, right. Every, everybody, <laughs> we all got to eat. So, I mean, you know, food is definitely a major hierarchical need. Um, so it's something that should be prioritized. You know, we, we, we prioritize other things that are also necess necessities in our life, housing, transportation, education, um, safety, nature, et cetera. Um, and food is connected to all of those things, quite frankly, in healthy communities. Um, so yeah, it, it should be, it should be up there as well. And, and again, I, you know, kind of leads me to a thought that it's, it's happening. You know, I will say that it's happening. I mean, in the time that I've been here, you started off with the 2014 Urban Ag Ordinance. So, you know, we've, we've updated the Farm Stand Ordinance and updated that part. Um, recently, uh, Rashid Nuri and the Nuri Group and other partners uh, working with Fulton County, uh, they, mm -hmm. they released an ordinance um, highlighting and, and ex explicitly stating that urban agriculture is a priority area and should be a priority area for Fulton County and calling on people in Fulton County, residents, organizations, municipalities, businesses, to come together to work towards urban agriculture solutions for everyone, you know, so that that's big. That's a Fulton County ordinance. Um, you know, I was able to, to testify for the Georgia State Senate um, 
Improving Access to Healthy Foods and Ending Food Desert Study Committee. So I know that's a mouthful, um, but the Georgia State Center right there at the Gold Dome, I mean, they invited, I would say, probably 20 to 40 people over a two-day period to to do a presentation about some of the things we're doing and how we're addressing food security, food insecurity, you know, everything from the language of food deserts, you know, and, and sometimes claiming them as food apartheid or food redlining or food swamps. Um, and then also just the practice of what's needed. And I would say many of those organizations that testified also talked about the fact that, yes, we, we've got some thought leaders and some practitioners here in these roles, but we've got to be very clear that it's in the community where it's happening, and we've got to make sure that community is not only at the table, quote-unquote, but at times, if not much of the time, leading the table and creating new tables. So how do we support that and how do we create those spaces? So, um, yeah, it, it's happening on a policy level you know, I'm, I'm hearing some good things from federal sources about the U.S. Department of Agriculture and, and you know, seeing some increased traffic and newsletters and funding opportunities that are coming down the path. Georgia has been identified as one of the 17 states in the United States that's uh, going to be highlighted for agriculture. And from what I'm hearing, the Atlanta metro area is also a, a focus area for urban agriculture and improvements there. And that's multi-generational, right, intergenerational. So we're looking at seniors. We're looking at you know, folks, uh, millennial, whatever, millennial, Generation Z, X, Y, whatever, um, as well as you um, looking at the school system, working with the school system. I had a great conversation with a high school earlier today that is uh, looking to do a lot of stuff right there on their campus and beyond. So it's happening, and I think that that's one of the things about Atlanta, you know, and I think about what is Atlanta doing well. We're doing the work, quite frankly, right? Like we think about the land, we think about the people, we think about the programs. Atlanta metro area. So when I say Atlanta, I don't just mean the city. I mean the metro area. We have a plethora of talent. We've got folks that have been doing this longer than I've been in the game, longer than I've been around um, in this space. Uh, we've got programming on so many levels. I mean, again, intergenerational programming, hands-on programming, virtual programming, you know, workshops, training, et cetera, like local, regional, national, international. Um, we got representation. I mean, there are you know, women who are doing this work. There are black folks doing this work. There are uh, LGBTQIA folks doing this work. There are young folks doing this work. We we have so many people that are represented. There are our Latinx community who is doing this work, folks who have been doing this work from ancestral and indigenous practice um, who are still doing it in modern-day ways. Um, we've got controlled environment growing folks who are interested in that, and that becomes an ongoing, evolving space. Um, you know, there have been some things that have popped off in a positive way and also figuring out ways to expand that and ways to make it more equitable from an access standpoint. And, you know, I think a lot of this speaks to the fact that, you know, Atlanta has a super entrepreneurial spirit. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of entrepreneurialism uh, that happens in the Atlanta metro area, the state of Georgia as a whole, but I'll definitely speak in the Atlanta metro area. And we're seeing the same thing in the food space. So, again, some of the businesses that have been around and organizations and people who've been around doing things for five years, 10 years longer, you know, we're seeing some of their model shift. One one example is, you know, with food, right? So with the farmer's markets, there was a moment when COVID initially kind of broke out that a lot of markets were having to stop their operations, modify their operations. So a lot of that has been able to be um, brought back with like, you know, practices of safety and health and cleanliness and PPE. And again, these things existed before. It's just now there's been some more attention to them. But a lot of the farmers, what they did is they got online. They created their online marketplaces. Yeah. A lot of farmers, you know, did collaborations with each other that maybe they hadn't worked together in a while or maybe they hadn't worked together before and, and created ways where you could just order online and pick up right there. And maybe it wasn't a full-fledged market, but you knew what you were going to get in your produce 
you could pay for different items, et cetera. So, again, it wasn't that that didn't exist before, but with COVID, it increased the intensity and the frequency of that. Um, so that's a, that's a great thing, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, I think that Atlanta as a whole and the Atlanta area as a whole is, is doing the work. That's something that we're doing great. Um, and then we're capturing the data, too. I mean, between the Green Link Equity Map, Invest Atlanta, One Atlanta Economic Mobility Index, the Department of Parks and Recreation has an equity tool, the 2021 Fresh Food Access Report, Partnership for Southern Equity is working on the equity map. So, and in many of the academic institutions, the AU Center, uh, Spelman, Morehouse, Clark Atlanta, Morris Brown, uh, Georgia Tech, Emory, et cetera, et cetera, Georgia State, of course, like we have all of this talent here and all of this work is happening. Um, I think some things that, you know, we need to, to continue to improve on, and I'm speaking to myself as I say this, is just continuing to knock down these barriers, right? We have that spirit. We have the people doing the work. Um, so what are the ways to knock down the barriers to make sure that more people can even get, you know, to the table, create their new tables, you know? So whether that's more technical assistance, grants, loans, other monetary resources, you know, let's, let's figure that out. And I'm a part of that. You know, how do we ensure that these organizations, whether they're farmers, nonprofits, et cetera, become more viable, like actually become sustainable um, to a place? Because again, we all have to eat. So if we think that we all know that we all have to eat, then it would make sense, in my opinion, for these organizations to be as sustainable as possible because they're helping feed us, right? Um, you know, we need farmers making a decent living. We need to improve on local purchasing at the city level, and we've got a we've got an action there for that. So we're looking forward to doing it, and we've got to tap into these resources through federal, USDA, state, local, etc. So you know, I think the momentum is there, and I know we're a part of it. And um, now it's just a matter of like matching all this momentum and energy that exists and actually putting into some plans, which also some of them exist, and executing it, like do the work, you know, that's, that's the thing, like let's do the work. Definitely. Um, and I, you know, I, I find myself as you were uh, talking, just thinking we do kind of, we live in a time that feels like, oh, what's old is new again and doing older things in new ways, because obviously agriculture, you know, is as old as, as, you know, written history recorded, you know, <laughs> civilization, as some would say. Right. But, and, and right, people have been, people without agriculture. Yep. right. And, and we've been, people have been growing food in their backyard for generations and decades, but it is in this, you know, 2014 having to actually say, oh no, urban agriculture is, is a, is a thing here. And like you mentioned before, like actually it wasn't technically, you know, quote unquote legal for you to just walk across the street from buy from a farmer, but that's like as, as old as time. And now we have, you know, in a way, COVID kind of brought that back. Like, yeah, you just shop from the local farmer. And like you said, you're not gonna be able to get everything there, but they've got what they have and it's fresh and good and reliable and healthy. And um, it, it is such an in time of, of like reinvigoration. I think to your point about doing the work, it's not just about setting up those systems again. It's about how we're, def how we're shaping ourselves and defining our future based on the intention that we put into what we're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I say exactly, exactly. I mean, I say it's, 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 you know, it's, it's the intention and the thoughtfulness, right? So with all of that talent and with all of those things, you know, one could potentially say, well, it sounds like y'all have everything figured out. And the reality is there are quite a few things that are figured out. Um, but again, how do you put that together? How do you fit those puzzle pieces together and, and move things forward? And, and that's going to look a little different in my opinion, quite frankly, I think that, um, 
you know, I've been a part of some great, wonderful organizations that uh, I think pretty much all of them still exist and they're doing wonderful work. Um, and then there's some new organizations that have that have cropped up. Um, you know, I, I don't want to do a disservice and name one or two, but I mean, there's there's new organizations and new individuals. We talk about Atlanta, how people are moving here from other places. So there's new thoughts and there's folks who have been here, right, for years who've been maybe not loudly saying the things that they want to do with food, but but have been doing it, like you said, in their backyards, at their uh, institutions of worship, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think that um, we all have, many of us had that moment where we went to the grocery store or wherever you shop at. And um, the shelves were empty, right? And he was looking around like, how is this possible? And, it, you know, it illuminated the fact that our kind of food system has a lot of fragmentation in it, and it was uh, able to be destabilized. So, you know, it did increase the interest in local food, local food consumption, production, distribution, et cetera, et cetera, education. Um, so that's not going to go away. You know, even if it slows down a little bit, that's not going to go away. And what a beautiful opportunity to match that with the fact that we already have it happening. And now it's like, hey, let's let's get this thing funded. Let's get this thing prioritized. Let's get this thing as a as a valuable asset where, you know, folks are making living wages, able to do the things that they would like to do personally. And it's just gonna benefit the community. No one is suffering from more local food, right? No one is no one is saying, <laughs> Man, I'm I'm too healthy now <laughs> you know. I can't right. took all that methane out of the environment. I can't believe we did that. That's not cool. It's like, no, it's the opposite. That's what we want, right? That's the future. So um yeah, like I say, the the land, the people and the programs and we gotta they're all connected and I think we're we're on the right track. Now it's like Let's, let's put it to action. Well, and as our good friend Robbie Astrov says, you know, too much food production is a problem we can eat our way out of, which, you know, again, sounds like an awesome solution. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. So, um, okay, I got a couple more questions for you because there's just so much been coming up as you've been um, talking. And I do, I just real quick, because I'm going to move on, but I just want to give a shout out to Marta Markets and the Grows A Lot program and the Food Forest because you've covered so much. And those are probably the three things people may know most about already, and we haven't really talked about them. So that's just a shout out. We can um, revisit uh, that at another time. Um, but what I wanted to chat about real quick was you know, you've mentioned the state level, the county level, the federal level, several different departments within your own office. Um, and, and some things like, you know, getting more land for farmers and increasing farmer pay. There's obviously limitations on what you can do and what can be done within the city of Atlanta proper. And I'm wondering if you can, you know, you just kind of talk about, I, I guess what I'm saying is it seems like on some level, a big part of your work is is just getting alignment with so many different levels uh, of um, partners and, and government and, and industry um, so that it can actually thrive um, rather than it, there being a fragmentation. And so kind of what role does, does this sort of you play in the city of Atlanta or specifically in the midst of all of that, uh, you know, all of those different organizations and entities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, a sh shout out to, to the to the movement. Atlanta influences everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually wearing a, a AIM uh, or AIE uh, hoodie right now. Atlanta influences nice. everything. Um, but um, yeah, we, we you know we we believe that. And again, that's not a knock. You know, again, much love to to Columbus and Macon and Augusta and Savannah, Athens, Georgia, where I grew up, and uh, Griffin, Lagrange. You know what I mean? All these towns and all these cities um, in the state of Georgia. Fun fact. Georgia has the second highest number of counties 
uh, in the United States of America. I believe Texas is the only state with more counties uh, than Georgia. I don't know if, where we rank as far as municipalities. So, again, uplifting a shout-out to all of y'all. Um, and we love Atlanta, and we know that Atlanta is a large engine, not even just for the state, but for the region of the southeast region, right? I mean, the airport is, is we, we know all the things, many things about the airport and how busy it is and how much commerce and how much travel and people are moving through there. So we look at the same thing when we're thinking about this urban agriculture work. Um, one of the things that we're doing, so clearly, yes, yeah, City of Atlanta, we, we got some robust programs and some some wonderful offices and departments. But then when we take it to the to the Fulton County level, right, I mean, we've got great partners in East Point, as you know, Tenecio, San Nima, and East Point. We've got some great partners down in South Fulton, the city of South Fulton. We've got great partners in College Park, you know, Metro Atlanta Urban Farm, collaborators that we've worked with in the past. And, you know, you know, shout out to, to Ms. Kathy Walker and Bobby Wilson for the wonderful work in the community that is doing that work there. You go up to the north side, you know, Alpharetta has been doing some great work, um, you know, with urban agriculture for some time. Um, you know, Clarkston on the east side, city of Decatur. So we've got all these places. Hampton, you mentioned Wayne Swanson earlier when we were talking Chattahoochee Hills. And so one of the things that I have the benefit and the privilege of is I know a decent amount of those folks. We've, we've broken bread together. We've worked on projects together. Um, and now I'm in a different capacity. So I'm circling back up. I'm every week. I'm, I'm reaching out to people, you know, via phone, via email, you know, catching up and also thinking about like, so what can we do differently? So that's taking it from the city and looking at it from a Fulton County way. The Atlanta Regional Commission, um, you know, I'm connected with them with the Regional Leadership Institute. Um, they're looking at, you know, an 11 county metro Atlanta area. So, we know that food is a regional thing too, right? I mean, it's not just all grown in your backyard or right across the street. It's regional too. Um, so looking at that lens too, the Atlanta Metro lens, kind of through the ARC uh, demographics. And then, you know, I'm in monthly calls between um, the U.S. Council of Mayors Food Policy Group. Um, there is an urban agriculture directors kind of informal group that we get together. So we're talking with Philadelphia, Baltimore, uh, Seattle, San Francisco, Austin, Texas, Detroit, the list goes on and on um, about what's working in their community, what are some challenges. We've been able to share some things also. So, yeah, it, 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 that is definitely a part of my work is um, connecting with what's happening locally, being able to connect with what's happening externally beyond local, seeing if there's some best practices we can leverage, if some new ideas we can leverage or old ideas and to support what we're trying to do here and making sure that it still stays true to Atlanta. It still stays true to the Atlanta metro area, right? Because we are a unique area. We have unique people, unique demographics, unique programs. So it's got to be authentic. And we even have a program called Atlanta Grown, which Justin Nicholson is a part of the, the, uh, the uh, program facilitator for that. And, um, yeah, y'all will be hearing more about that too, which is really based on Atlanta Grown stuff um, all through the Atlanta metro area. So, yeah, that, that is a part of it. Um, what we don't have, you know, we don't actually have an Atlanta metro area food council, advisory council, equity council, et cetera. Like, we don't have one of those for the local food urban ag space. So that's something that I'm definitely focused on, you know, figuring out the best way to start that up with other folks. I'm not starting it by myself. Um, we got to do it with other people. But, yeah, but I've seen that from other cities that they have, like, a, a city kind of advisory group or a, a regional advisory group and, and or policy group. So um, I know farmers have asked about that. I know uh, corner store and neighborhood markets have asked about that. Um, so we recognize that it's something that we want to add for sure. So, yep, that's a part of the work, no doubt. So fun fact, I learned Justin Nicholson's full name when he got this job, because for years I've known him as Masterpiece, the drummer. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, horn player for the Farmer's Jam Band. So, so uh, yeah, quick shout out. We'll definitely um, be chatting with Justin, a.k.a. MP, on um, Farmer's Jam Radio, both about his work and, uh, you know, about his love for music. So uh, we, we look forward to that. Um, one last question. I know you have spent a significant time in the Philly urban ag scene maybe not i guess significance relative but you've 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 had you you've spent some time there i'm wondering in 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 um all your time and maybe some of the things you've learned more recently about working with other cities what are some of the what are uh, is there a thing or two that you could look at another city and be like wow they're they're doing that really well yeah you know one one of the things that i've been digging into uh, a bit more is um up in the state of new jersey so um with some of this, uh, they, New Jersey, and I and I, I may get the terms wrong because I don't have the document in front of me, but New Jersey, apparent, um, basically, they passed a uh, federal or an emergency funding act for the state of New Jersey. Um, and one of the activities they did with that federal emergency act is they said that they were going to do the research and identify quote unquote food desert communities or areas throughout the state of New Jersey. So they did this really thorough analysis, and then again, it's. It, if you just look up New Jersey Food Security Emergency Act, something to that effect. Um, but they did this really thorough analysis. They brought in some great scientists, some great data evaluators, the community also. Um, and they identified 50 areas, uh, 50 cities or towns in New Jersey and their areas that they're designated as food deserts. So that in itself is just, you know, the practice of, you know, studying and evaluating and data and also then representing the data. What's really impressive about it is after that, the governor, um, I want to say, implemented um, $40 million over the per year for the next six years to directly go towards those, quote, unquote, food desert areas through loans, grants, technical assistance, and other resources. So, again, can you imagine $40 million that has been legislated by the governor to go towards food insecurity, food deserts? And there's different language for different things, so we recognize that that's a part of this work as well. Um, for the next six years, that's $240 million, right? Um, and it's coming from the highest, you know, rep, uh, uh, elected official in the state. So really digging into that, um, I've, I've been able to sit in on some of their um, kind of uh, information sessions and, and learn how they did the analysis and how they did the data. We have similar data here, quite frankly, in the local area. Um, so it would be great to be able to just amplify that, package it, and get that a similar kind of uh, sign-off. Again, I talked about the Fulton County Ordinance. I've talked about some ordinances that are happening locally that are getting uplifted. Um, let's get it to the state level, and let's get some funding behind it um, to go forward. And then, you know, that, that's, a, that's a, a pool of resources, a pool of money, and different types of resources that the growers or the business owners, the, the healthy corner store and neighborhood markets folks can apply to directly, right? Like, again, removing those barriers or reducing those barriers for people to get access to the resources to do the things that we would love them to do. So that's really exciting to me. Um, there are quite yeah. a few folks that are working on food plans, um, urban ag plans and food plans. So shout out to my folks in Philadelphia, Ash Richards um, and her team and everyone there. Shout out to the folks in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, Kimberly Acosta, Mathas Swami, uh, they're doing amazing work. And there are several other cities that are doing um, different elements of food climate plans or food access plans, urban agriculture plans, et cetera. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're planning on doing one as well. Uh, we'll be able to definitely talk more about that later this year. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're taking that inspiration from some of those folks. East Point 
as well did a food plan, uh, Tunisia Food Well Alliance. So we're going to, you know, take what we're learning and, and receive what we're learning from them. We're checking in with all of those folks individually. Um, and then, of course, we're going to tailor it and create it for Atlanta, too. So food plans are a thing. Again, if we plan for everything else, we need to plan for food. We see that there's a lot of uh, food insecurity that exists. We see that there's a lot of uh, destabilization that's possible when it comes to the food that we're receiving and eating. Um, so part of it is growing and part of it is some other stuff. And then, again, just getting that state support um, and that federal support where, like, there's a commitment of funding to go directly to programs that we've identified as needed. Um, and that's whether that's food deserts, uh, food insecurity, food access, et cetera, urban agriculture. So those are, what, that's, those are two things that are exciting to me right now. Yeah, that's that's very exciting, and you you uh, brought up uh, Rashid Nuri at the beginning, and I am reminded of something he used to say quite frequently, which is, "All I need is a line item," <laughs> and uh, you know we're getting more of them. But yeah, definitely, if you can start getting line items on the state and federal level um, to just you know really, as you've been saying. Um, uplift the resources that already exist. You know, it's not resources to create a whole bunch of new things. There are people and organizations who are doing this work, who have been doing this work for a long time, oftentimes unheralded and, um, you know, with with community level support. But it would be a, a real game changer to get the kind of support that um, that you have highlighted here. Yeah, and I just want to add to that, and then and, and hit it on the head, and, and and that's part of that education, right? So, so you'll sometimes hear the term like historically underserved, and and we say that yeah, that that's true. There are definitely communities and individuals that have been historically underserved, but we want to make sure that it's clear that they're systemically underserved, right? Some of these things are elements of the system. They've been systemically underserved and are still currently underserved and under-resourced. So we don't want to think about it like an old black and white picture that, you know, goes back to the 1800s, like, oh, these are people who are historically underserved. Again, if you look at equity maps for the city of Atlanta, you'll see the trends um, where, you know, development has gone in certain directions and resources have gone in, uh, all throughout the city. But there have definitely been some gaps as far as how those resources have gotten to certain parts of the city, especially southeast Atlanta, southwest Atlanta, northwest Atlanta. Um, so, again, you know, just letting me make sure that people are clear that we're not just addressing historically underserved things. We're addressing systemically and currently under-resourced and underserved. Um, and, yeah, a line item is a big way to go for sure to get that uh, work addressed. Well, we hope um, the work continues to, to make that happen. Um, and we wish you all the best of luck in, in, in all the work I, we know you're going to do to to um, to make that happen. So uh, with that, all that being said, uh, really, I really appreciate you um, joining us and, and really highlighting so many things about, uh, you know, your past work and, and your current work. And I think, um, you know, providing very a lot of clarity about why this work is so important, especially right now. Um, and, you know, because you have so much going on, we, we'd love to stay connected with you and um, keep uh, learning what's what's going on and what's new. Um, and maybe dive a little bit deeper into some more uh, specific things you're working on, um, because clearly you have so much going on. Yeah, big, big give thanks. And again, shout out to the whole urban agriculture food system team at the city of Atlanta, Natasha Dyer, Elizabeth Deke, Justin Nicholson, our supervisors and other folks throughout the city who are working on this food. Again, shout out to the whole uh, local 
food scene, local food environments in Atlanta and the Atlanta metro area. And for all of y'all who have uh, poured into me, um, and including you, James, um, I'm really grateful for that. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I can reflect it back and reciprocate it back and uh, onward. We got more to do. We've got more to do. All right, y'all. Thank you for um, listening. Um, appreciate your time, Jay Olu. We'll talk to you again soon. For now, I'll catch you on the other side. On the other side, peace. All right, everybody. Hope y'all enjoyed meeting my friend Jay Olu. We are looking forward to having him back regularly for more updates about what's going on in the mayor's office as well as the world of urban ag. If you'd like to keep up with the mayor's office of urban agriculture, head over to www.aglanta.org. You can also follow them on social, either using the tag Aglanta or Aglanta Grown. That's it for us today. Farmer's Jam Radio was created by Longleaf Media, hosted and produced by myself and Cam Christian with music by the one and only Nomad. Stay connected with the whole world of Farmer's Jam at www.thefarmersjam.com. Sign up for our newsletter, follow us on social at Farmer's Jam ATL, and help us on our mission to plant as many fruit trees as possible. We love y'all. Stay safe out there, and of course, jam on.